Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by BetDAC. Get 0% commission on all sports for 100 days when you join BetDAC.com. New customers only, terms and conditions apply. And by All About Sunday, the ownership experience where you can own three racehorses for only £18.99 per month. Visit AllAboutSunday.com to get involved today. Now, here's your host, Emmett Kennedy. Hello and welcome along to the show as we get ready for an amazing time of year, but also some incredible racing. It's Christmas, and it's our preview part one, where I'm joined by TalkSport colleague and former jockey, Paddy Aspel. Welcome back to the show, Paddy. Good afternoon, Emmett. And a happy Christmas to you, my friend. I stopped, I stopped myself from saying that to you off air, so I could say to you genuinely now, happy Christmas, Paddy. Yes, and many happy returns. It's come around very quick, and... Yeah, looking forward to it. What is the the household like for you on, on Christmas Day? What's the Aspel house, household like Christmas Day? Plenty of beverage. They've always got to keep on top of the hydration uh, around the Christmas time, Emmett. I think it's fair to say because, you know, the, the, there's, the science backs it up. You'll die far quicker of thirst than you will of hunger. Um, and then there's always a bit of food to go along with it, but... Yeah, good time of year and able to enjoy it a good bit more nowadays. And yeah, I can't wait. So I'm I'm taking that when you say liquid, you mean alcoholic beverages to keep you hydrated throughout the, the festive period. Well, it actually it's actually counterproductive, isn't it? Because alcohol then makes you far thirstier, doesn't it? So, but you know, I'm trying. I'm getting the fluids down. I've, I have so a solution for that, though. Right. I have a solution and a solution to help with the hangovers as well. If you drink a glass of water with every bit of alcohol you're consuming, it just helps you along the way. And then a bit of Diorolite when you get home, you're almost mustered the next day. Not quite, but almost mustered. If you want to hear more uh, alcoholic beverage chat, by the way, I was joined by Neil Phillips yesterday, the wine tipster, and I thought we were doing a 20-minute show an hour later, we're still talking about the Christmas racing and what we should be drinking to as the perfect accompaniment to the racing for the Christmas period. He's got wine, he's got whiskey to recommend, he's got a sherry to recommend as well. And I had no idea that Susanna Ritchie owns a vineyard. All of those recommendations are there. They're top class and uh, Neil's in tremendous form. By the time these races come around on St. Stephen's Day, they will definitely be a drink of something pretty strong in my hand. The King George, the sixth chase, the market for this, and actually Patty and I were talking about this beforehand. This is Thursday, the 22nd of December when we're recording. 
my memory tells me that we used to have the declarations for St. Stephen's Day, Boxing Day, on this day. This is always when we record the final Furlong Podcast Christmas previews. We don't have the decks. So maybe I'm misremembering, but if I am, then so is Paddy. So I don't know. Let's, with those dodgy memories uh, in play, or perhaps we're right, uh, let's move on to the King George. Brave Man's Game, 15-8 to 8 with Betdak, 2-1, to 1, Lompresse. Uh, 11 to 2 is the best price you'll get about Hitman, uh, again with Betdak. En- Envoy Alan is a 7th shot. Royal Pagai has been rerouted from the Welsh National Tier 16s, and former winner Frodon is an 18 to 1 shot. If you like Brave Man's game, then you must be loving life because 5 to 4, 11 to 10 was the price you were being asked to take a week ago. Suddenly you're getting close to 2 to 1, if not bigger than that. Um, but as we're within sight of the race, Paddy, how do you frame the 2022 renewal of the King George? Well, I think it was a bit strange, really, that there was a bit of debate about which one Harry Cobden was going to ride. He was asked on a few occasions, wasn't he? And I was thinking, I um, could probably tell you myself which one he's going to ride um, and be pretty definite about it as well. But look, they're two classy horses, but he was never going to get off a um, so-called 13-day shot to, to ride a, a 92 shot. Um, absolutely no chance and because Sam Twiston has always had that connection obviously with the Tlandesobo connections they always had a, a backup jockey there on call so I always thought it was pretty much set in stone and you, know, you just couldn't have chosen Hitman over Brave Man's game because up until now obviously he underwhelmed a bit at Aintree earlier this year but he is an early season horse for me and this I do tend to follow that trend this time of the year is the horses that are I won't say fit and ready to go but just they're better fresh in the earlier part of the season and Brave Man's game I've not seen many horses for a while Emmett that are just as easy on the eye watching them go around it's you know you often hear they're saying that a horse is on springs and that's just about the only way you could describe this fella because he is so light on his feet and Harry Cobden and him going around together, it's just poetry emotion to watch. It really is. And I can just see him again on Monday, just skipping around, saving petrol. He's not left the floor one side of a fence and he's landed at the other. That's just the kind of watch this fella is. And He's a deserving favourite, there's no doubt. But I think we're going to have a well-run race here. Obviously, Frodon, we're going to have a high senior is going to, going to be on the front end. And so there'll be no hiding place here for sure. And But the second in here, Lompresse, he is just a difficult horse to gauge because mm. for me, he's almost the complete opposite of Brave Man's game. He isn't over flashy. He just does what the jockey asked him but the races that he has won I mean obviously when he won at Cheltenham I mean Charlie Deutsch had to give him one tap up the run in and that's because he was looking around and you know if you can land a prize like that and you're looking around halfway up the run in you've obviously got a fairly massive engine and we've seen him give away 26 pound to a real inform and improving horse the last time and you just you've got to take the winning margin out of it because I just think Charlie Deutsch was poetry emotion and he, he tried to be as kind to this horse 
as possible, maybe thinking, oh, definitely thinking of engagements further down the line. So although the rehearsal can can be a real dogfight, it was run on much better ground than normal this time round. I know he did fetch plenty of weight round, but I thought the way Charlie Deutsch nursed him round, you know, I think he's going to have a fair bit of horse to play with on Monday. And he is just a hard one to gauge, Emmett. I really don't know how deep this horse can go because I would bet if you ask Charlie Deutsch, he probably couldn't even tell you exactly how good this horse is. Mm. He, he seems to be a hard one to bottom out. It's going to be an absolute cracker. But for me, I'm going to stick with the Fav simply because he does things so easily. And he's just, he looks like the perfect horse that any jockey would want to ride. I can't wait for this race on Monday, but I just cannot look past him. Been very well campaigned by the Nichols team. And oh, look, I wouldn't like to see him get much shorter because this is a real stiff ask again on Monday. But he thoroughly deserves his place at the head of the market. He's a funny one for me in that I was in the Alaho camp for this race. And when Alaho then got ruled out, I've just read that Sir Gerard is now on the injury sidelines as well. Oh, dear. Uh, so best of luck to him and uh, best wishes to him. And hopefully Sir Gerard is, is back in action sooner rather than later. Maybe that's going to force their hand and he will go for the champion hurdle and my 20s will be alive. Um, but to have both Alaho and him on the sidelines is pretty gut-wrenching. So hopefully they'll be back for Cheltenham. But the second Alaho came out, Brave Man's game was the default. It's just like, well, he'll run and he'll win. He was so good in the God of Star last year. He'll take all the beating. And the closer we get to it, I'm glad to hear you talk him up so much because I've, I've been going a little bit lukewarm on him. And I've been viewing that defeat at Bob, at Bob Ollinger's hands in the Ballymore at Cheltenham more harshly than I was the first time around. Because you were just saying that you think he's better in the winter than the spring. And I think that's the perceived wisdom now. I think most people would, would take that view. But we have very limited evidence that that's actually the case. There's only three starts you can you can base it on. Uh, entry, I, I would forgive pretty much any horse that defeated entry. So there is that as well. And he was woeful at the Grand National meeting behind a hoist in your... That couldn't possibly have been his, his true running. Um, and he couldn't land a, a glove on a hoist in your over hurdles the season before that either. So maybe it's not a spring thing. Maybe just every now and again, Brave Man's Game throws in a clunker. Um, the, he's only had four rivals in his chase starts. That's that's who he's been taking on. Um, there was a, f- a field of five at Weatherby last time out in the Charlie Hall. Prior to that, his chasing debut was a field of five, and every other race has been a four-runner race. Now, this is going to be a small field as well. So that's I'm not necessarily using that as a stick to beat him. because He is a brilliant jumper, and he does cruise through his races, and he does a lot of things right. But the best horse in the race is Lompresse. Don't think that's a debate. He's the best horse in the race. He has the Cheltenham win. He's rated 170. Brayman's game is rated 164. And when they're the same price, I side with Lompresse. Delighted they've decided to come here. His style of running will suit Kempton. The flat track, being up with the pace, um, being being in the van, chasing a leader, that's perfect for this race. He jumps, Touchwood, he jumps brilliantly. And he's got plenty of stamina. There's a slight doubt in my mind about Brave Man's game over three miles with in, in grade one company as well. Now he might, I'm not saying he can't win it and you might bolt up and I'm delighted to hear that you're 
as positive on him as you are. But the closer we get to the race, the more lukewarm on him I've been getting. And, and Lompresse is, is the one for me. Um, I, I wouldn't rule Hitman out of it at all. But Lompresse, his credentials seem to be incredibly strong. I think they're stronger than Brave Man's Games. And with those two horses that mean the prices they are right now, I'll take the two to one Lompresse. Thanks very much. And I'd be reasonably confident about it too. I suspect he'll go off favorite. So if you want to follow, follow him, Patty, you're going to get a bigger price about Brave Man's Game. And he might absolutely tear this up. But of a horse to, and we did put up Tornado Fire last year. So as a horse to put up at a bigger price, and I'll get one from you as well, Patty, uh, I'll go at Royal Pagai. It's 24 years since Venetia Williams won the King George. And I think she might have the one too. Um, it's not perfect in that he missed the Betfair chase and another intended comeback through a setback. But to reroute him from the Welsh National to the King George, says Venetia's reasonably bullish, and she's got a very strong hand in, in the Welsh National as well. Um, the official going today is good to soft, but it, I believe it's leaning closer to soft, which would be music to his ears. And he goes very well fresh. So at 16 to 1, with Betdak, I would I'd put up Royal Pagai as the each way scumbag each way bet and if you're doing that bet today Thursday then you are getting three places and he's been taken out of the Welsh National so go nuts um, because I think this is probably going to be a seven runner field so I'll, I'll go with uh, Royal Pagai's the each way pick and, and Lampresse to win but it's it's a compelling case made by Paddy for Brave Man's Game and uh, and you may very well be right maybe I'm overcomplicating things and we like to say on the show, don't complicate your mind. Uh, as an outsider, something to do with Tornado Flyer, is there anything that really appeals to you, Paddy? I think Royal Pagal is a great shout. Obviously, he knows his way around the track as well, doesn't he? And mm -hmm. yeah, you don't need to take any notice of that 263 days. If anything, it's a positive. You say, come in here, a fresh horse. You know, he's he's very, very competitive this horse on a going day and, and he's another one you know he's a little bit like a stable mate he's a bit difficult to gauge because he isn't flashy probably for an outsider here I would take a poke at Eldorado Allen because he is a horse for sure he's not getting any younger I know he himself is going to turn nine in a couple of weeks time but at eight, round about 18 to one he is a horse who I don't think Manny would begrudge his day in the sun I don't think he'll get it here but he's more than capable of picking up plenty of prize money for the Joe Tizard team. I know for sure Joe Tizard has spoken many times about the regard he holds this horse in. And, you know, he's dined at the top table, uh, been in deep water on plenty of occasions. And I can't recall too many times that he's disgraced himself, Emmett. I would agree with that. I think it's a great shout. I mean, if you fancy Brave Man's game, why would you not take an interest in Eldorado Allen each way? Again, neither of us are saying he can win it. He can absolutely be involved in the finish. And and we've seen strange things happen in this race over the years. So yeah, Eldorado Island's a, a great shout as well. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sweet on, on Royal Pagai, and I'm very interested in the fact that they've taken him out of, of Chepstow and rerouted him here. Um, but I'll, I'll side with Lampresse. Brave man's game for you, and and we're both going with each way picks of Royal Pagai uh, and Eldorado Island. It's going to be a cracker. It's going to be a proper, proper renewal of the King George. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, earlier on the card, Ascot's last loss is Kempton's gain, if the mouth words can work. Why do I feel like I'm after drinking 
10 glasses of sherry with um, Neil Phillips, the wine tipster. I, I have all the benefits of being hungover without actually having consumed alcohol. What a disaster. Go away, flu. Uh, champ, five to two in a rescheduled uh, long walk hurdle and a nice boost to our Boxing Day St. Stephen's Day viewing. Uh, three to one about Miranda. Paisley Park, who won't be as suited to this track as he would have been asked it, uh, is a seven to two shot for Emma Lavelle with Aidan Coleman on board. And Goshen, who I'm fascinated by, uh, along with Botox Eyes, uh, are two strong weapons for Gary Moore to fire at this race. Rescheduled long walk hurdle. How do you see it going, Paddy? Well, sometimes champ doesn't always back up a win or even a good run at times. So you've got to label him with that. But he looked as good as ever for a horse of his years. Another one about to turn 11. You know, that was a cracking performance at Newbury last time, as was a cracking performance by the runner of Paisley Park, who, you know, just ran one of his far better races. It's been a while since I've seen him travel the whole duration of a race like he did at Newbury last time. And when they turned in and he was as close in proximity to champ because he hadn't hit that flat spot, I was thinking there's only one winner here because you won't outstay or outbattle Paisley Park, but it was a very canny ride by John Joe Jr. because you know, he made sure to keep a bit of distance between himself and Paisley and didn't really eyeball him in a proper match race. And maybe that was the winning of the race for him very canny ride but obviously he's got to back that up Champo he's just very very classy and now he's back over to the smaller obstacles there's just not as much to be taken on trust here but both these horses albeit as solid as they are you know, they're taking on younger legs here horses trying new trips so there could definitely be some oil in the water here not so sleepy L- listen to a fantastic interview with his trainer Huey Morrison yesterday he seems a real intriguing character and they're dipping their toe into some, some some new water here as well with not so sleepy and by all means I think he's an absolute nightmare to train at home and he's shown that he can be a bit of a nightmare at times on the track as well and he could be intriguing because he doesn't give himself an easy time throughout a race and sometimes he doesn't even consent to start and at times when he does then he over races so Johnny Burke will have his work cut out there but He's a horse who's shown on the level that he's a real force to be reckoned with. On a going day, you've got to put the asterisk next to him. On a going day, with not so sleepy. But Goshen, Ruby Walsh, as soon as this horse passed the line last time, they were the first words out of his mouth. I hope Gary Moore puts Goshen in the long walk. Yes. Obviously, that was before we knew it was going to be be rerouted here. But still, nonetheless, you know, it's it's the right way around. Goshen and he, we've not seen him really do much of that antics in his last few runs anyway um, this going right thing with him but yeah he could be interesting I think we forget that Goshen still is only a six year old but I like Gary Moore's other horse here Botox oh. has I think he could be interesting he, he's got work to do on ratings but I really I, I would imagine that poor Jamie Moore, he's good at it here because he just can't cut himself in two. Um, you can only ride one horse. Um, but I think Gary Moore is far and 
two proper solid darts at the board here with Goshen, but I'm more interested in both Texas. He's rated 150, so as I mentioned, he has got work to do. It's 11 pound of champ. 10 pound, obviously, Paisley Park, and he is, he's only four pound higher than the mayor Miranda. Um, but I just think, especially if that ground, if we lose the good and uh, they're getting their toe nicely in at Kempton, I think that would even come more in his favour for Botox has. And I mean, he's not priced up like he's just making the numbers up here. Obviously not so sleepy because of the risks attached to him. He's got to be the outsider. So he's 14s. Yeah. Botox has very solid there, five to one. So it looks like the bookies are not underestimating this chap. You know, he's only half a point bigger than a stable mate. And we've obviously got to mention Miranda as well because it's it's quite ballsy of Paul Nichols as he has really gone about his whole season for me so far, Paul Nichols. Ballsy. And he's chucked Miranda in against the boys here. Miranda is a bit of an unknown quantity, but has shown good form around the track. And I think it's some shout to put her in here. And same thing, Emmett, although she has got a fair bit to find. I know she's getting the mayor's allowance, but she's got a fair bit to find on ratings here. But the bookies have pitched her straight in second fav. So they know that Nichols isn't dreaming here or, or tilting at windmills. He's, he's, he's got a live contender in Miranda. So although I've only got the six of them, you couldn't entirely go back to the asterisks again if not so sleepy is on a going day and, and Huey Morrison's brave shout pays off by, by stepping him up in trip. We've got an absolute cracker here. Yeah, we've got a blinder on our hands and it's it's interesting to hear how you've finally come down on the side of, of Botox hats and I get it. I completely get it. I think your shout about Miranda as well is, is a really interesting one. Like that's that's a lot of weight they've got to give her. Like getting the, the seven pound allowance is a huge advantage for a horse of her ability. Uh, and you're right, she has to take the, the step up the rankings. But it's um, after after such a, an impressive victory at Kempton last time in Mayor's Company, dispatching some, some good horses. Admittedly, it was a three-runner race, but the style in which she did it, just brushing aside her rivals, to then be giving her weight, that's that's going to be a tall task for some. And um, I almost came down on her. I can't get away from Goshen. Um, so I'm going with the other one. The other Gary Moore inmate. And look, chasing was a disaster for him. It was an absolute nightmare for him. Um, and even after he won last time out at Ascot, Gary Moore was still saying, oh, we might go back over fences with him. He doesn't want to do it. There's nothing about this horse that suggests he wants to go chasing. And he, he clearly needs to go right-handed. And I think three miles will bring out more improvement in him. Now, it will need to, but I think it will. Uh, it's fascinating to see who Jamie's going to ride. Whoever he does ride is going to be clipped at least a point, and the other will, will probably drift a little bit. But I don't think it matters. Uh, I think it matters who turns up on the day and who has the ability, and I think Ocean does. So at, at fives right now, if Jamie chooses him, he'll be shorter. If he doesn't, we'll get a bigger price, and hopefully it's okay. But... I'll side with Goshen. I, I think three miles will bring out more improvement in him. He is much better behaved than he used to be. As you said, we're not seeing the, the antics that we used to see with him. Uh, but he does clearly still need to go right-handed. And on his day, he's a top-class racehorse. So I'll, I'll side with Goshen as a fascinating new addition to the staying division. Um, 
uh, and hopefully he can get the job done. But full respect for Botox has, and uh, absolutely for Miranda as well. Uh, as we move on to the Cotto Star, Novices Chase, in memory of Nigel Clark. Uh, obviously, Paul Nichols has a tremendous record in this race, won it last year with Brave Man's Game, and would love to win it again, given the name of the race. McFabulous is the 6-5 to five market leader for Paul Nichols. He's got the third favourite as well in Jelino Bello, and his former assistant, his former right-hand man, Dan Skelton, teams up with his brother, uh, Harry, for Bally Griffin Cottage, who is 11-4 to 4 currently with Betdak. They're going to try over fences again with Time Hill. Ooh, dear. Uh, currently a 6-1 to one shot with Tom O'Brien on board. Uh, who are you siding with, Paddy? Well, I thought Harry Cobden was fantastic pulling McFabulous up because he ran, didn't he, at Wynn Canton on um, the... Badger Beer Day when horses were slipping left, right, and center. And that's right. It definitely appeared that that's what he did. And confidence wise, I just think the 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 job was gone with him early doors. And and so Harry Cobden, very wise, obviously he knows this horse extremely well. So he just pulled the plug very early. And you know, I think he was rewarded for doing that because since then, in both starts. This is horse. This horse's confidence over fences has looked really good. I was very impressed with the way he jumped on both occasions, but more so the day when he won at Exeter. What he did at the last, he was so good. He really was because Harry he really tried to to light him up and asked him, and he put down but never touched a twig. You know, he was he was um, he was carbon copy to to um, appreciate it the other day. You know, tried to get the revs up the last, changed his mind, but he worked it out, and that's exactly what he did. And then at Newbury, like I'll be honest with you, Emmett, I, I actually thought Time Hill. Time Hill's not a bad jumper. He's just too deliberate. You know, he, he's he's an older horse gone chasing, so he. He's got a bit of self preservation he's got a bit of natural self preservation. He just wants to get from one side of the fence to the other. But obviously in this sort of grade, in the grade he's running in, he can't do that. I thought he jumped better at Newbury than what he did at Exeter, because at Exeter he went round on the bridle and he was mustered. As soon as Tom had to put his foot on the gas, he wasn't as good. And then at Newbury the last day, I thought he jumped better but he's just getting too high. He's almost show jumping his fences. So, and that's fine. You're going to get round all day long and you'll pick up some prize money, but he isn't just going to get competitive with these better horses. Yeah. Interesting that they are persistent. Um, you know, I mean, we say he's going, he's going chasing late in life. You know, there's plenty we see appreciated. Look what age he is. And, you know, time he'll his age. It's just, he's been around for so long. And obviously we're so used to looking at him playing his trade. Faheen was, Faheen was 11, wasn't he? Oh, it's you know, it's 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 it is doable. It is doable, and it's quite easy to to throw that accusation at them. Or they're going late in life, but you know, they can either do it or they can't. You know, I don't think it's like teaching an old dog new tricks. I don't think you're going to teach Time Hill to be a good jumper at this stage. Um, and I don't necessarily think he's a bad jumper, but he's just too careful. And when when they when the heat is applied, it's it's he's, he's just not going to be able to cut it, unfortunately. And Mac Fabulous showed that the last day because he put him to the sword. And whereas Mac Fabulous was in third gear and he was actually jumping his fences, Time Hill was in behind him and he was flat. Tom O'Brien was flat out in between the fences, 
because he could just couldn't get him down out of the air. But mm. I think Mac Fabulous, it's fair to say he underachieved, didn't he? Over hurdles, they really tried to stretch him out trip wise and, and, and make a proper staying hurdler out of him. But the way he's fencing and doing this job, you know, they probably can stretch him out trip wise because he seems to be doing it so easy. And he's definitely the one to beat. It's it's interesting though that Dan has pitched in Bally Griffin Cottage off the back of just one start over fences and you often hear Paul Nichols say that he can read Dan Skelton like a book and he obviously can there'll be no one know Dan Skelton better now than than Paul Nichols so you know I'd say he is definitely realising that the second in here is going to be a real danger because Beauport to me was a horse I was very impressed with his chasing debut up at Carlisle and this fella on his first go over fences, he kicked a real good one like Beauport out of the way at Haydock last time. Now, I do think Beauport, maybe we didn't see the absolute best of him that day, but still, nonetheless, he kicked him out of the way and it was his first run back. I mean, he has run in a point-to-point, this fella, um, but he, he got unseated, but he did get as far as the last. Um, so theoretically, you know, it was really his, his proper first day at school, jumping fences. And yeah, just very interesting that Dan has popped him in here to take on his old boss. And Jelino Bello, we just can't rule out Paul Nichols' other horse here. Interesting to put Bryony Frost because Bryony's not been, been, she hasn't appeared to be flavour of the month at all since she's, or uh, since she's come back this season at yeah. Nichols. I mean, she obviously she's ridden fraud on and, but generally, you know, if Lucy Warren wasn't putting Bryony up, just the rides have been very, very dry. Um, it's certainly from from the digit camp. So maybe she's back now from her, her collarbone injury, and and she's obviously working very hard. And you know, it looks like Nichols going to give her a chance. And Jelena Bello, very very likable horse, only a six year old. Another one has got a little bit to find at the weights with McFabulous, but not a great deal. Um, what do you make of his jumping? Because I'm very interested in Jelena Bello, but if if there's a concern, it's it's his jumping. What do you think his technique is is good enough that he can improve? He can knock these errors out by the time he comes race day. Well, I mean, obviously it was just a match race, wasn't it, at Weatherby? And if you were getting involved at them sort of odds, you might have had a bit of a scare. But I honestly think that Harry Cobden was purely going through the motions, as as was the horse. He can be at times when he's asked for an effort, a little bit almost French. He's quite long and he's quite low. Doesn't spend that much time in the air. And then obviously look at Exeter. The last day he was away to his right. But same thing, you know, a match race. It's it's hard to get the revs up on these horses, you know, when, when you're dealing with such small numbers. But I think in a better race here, with more runners, the revs will be higher. I'd like to think that he he should be a bit of an easier proposition for for Bryony to ride, but you, know, you certainly wouldn't want to see him up to his old tricks what he was doing the last day. But uh, I could imagine that his his revs will be a bit higher for this on Monday, and he should he should um, he should definitely look a bit easier on the eye anyway on his way around. Because Harry Durham has, has been a regular guest on the show and we're looking forward to 
Harry's training career kicking off and hopefully he'll be having runners over the next few days. That was the, at least the plan when we did the Sable Tour at the start of the season was to unleash horses uh, over the Christmas racing. So hopefully that's going to happen. Um, but I, I remember speaking to him before about Jelena Bello and he loved him when he was assistant trainer there, rated him very highly. Uh, Paul has spoken glowingly about him as well. And he's gone well at Kempton. He ran in the Lanzarote, finished fourth. That was a, a fine run for an inexperienced horse. He was no match for Charles Burns' horse, uh, Blazing Cal, twice at Cheltenham prior to that, but he'd ran very well there. And he just looks a different prospect. Uh, you know, he, he went to Aintree. He's taken a grade one. I know that meant an awful lot to, to everybody at the yard, uh, Harry as well. Um, and two starts over fences, they've been fine. You know, it's it's been fine. I I rate this horse quite highly. And it's it's a price thing for me. I, Mac Fabulous could win this, absolutely he could, but there's at least two very good rivals there against him, which stops me taking the six to five. Bally Griffin College is a fascinating story. Um, you know, three point to point wins, thrown in at the deep end uh, to begin his his racing career in a Grade Two at Cheltenham, um, where he's behind Blazing Cal and Jillian Bello is is in front of him. Uh, wins his novice chase at Lingfield, and then rocks up to the potato race and finishes fourth. As one run over fences, beats Bowport, as you said, and now goes into a grade one. I, they clearly think an awful lot of him, and and he's he's clearly a very, very talented racehorse. And you know Dan will know exactly what it's, what's required to go and win this race. Um, he won it with Shan Blue. He was involved with Paul back in the, the heyday in the early noughties when they were tearing this race up as well. So I'm I'm really fascinated by by both Bally Griffin College and Jelena Bello, uh, and and obviously McFabulous rates as, as a big danger as well. But I think from a price perspective, it's it's either Jelena Bello or Bally Griffin College, and I just haven't fully decided as to which of the two I want to side with as of yet. If that makes sense. Yes, you're right. And I was actually looking at his debut effort at Drumahane and discounted all the races above, thinking that, that was his rules for him. But he banged out three straight wins in point to points in Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> and quite impressive as well. Ten lengths, six lengths. And then, obviously, the last one probably would have been um, a winners of two. Yeah, one of the winners of two by two lengths. Yeah. On, on my birthday, no less, on the 23rd of May. And it, of May. in an alternate reality, he was headed for a life in 100 chases, or at least he was going to go down that route for his previous connections. And Dan Skelton gets hold of him and was like, no, we, aren't, we ain't doing that. Um, but he was a relatively cheap buy. Um, you know, I, I know he was picked up for 10 grand initially. I don't know what he was purchased for subsequently, but mm-hmm. they've only tried him in, in the highest possible company. Uh, that, that Dan Skelton can, like, pitches him straight into a grade two, goes and wins his novice hurdle, straight back to the Cheltenham Festival for a grade one, and then pitches him into a, a really good novice chase on, on debut uh, against a, a, a very impressive winner in Beauport, um, who, who put up a very stylish performance prior to that. He's fascinating. So for me, it's, yeah, it's, that was... for me, it's a price thing. Like, McFabulous is just too short. Um... I, I like Gilly Novello and the the big talk about him is still ringing around my head from Harry Durham. I think I'd be kicking myself if I was to watch him go and, and gallop on uh, and blow this field apart on the day. But 
the jumping errors are a bit of a concern for me. For all that physically he looks every inch a chaser. Um, for connections of, of this race who've won it before, maybe Bally Griffin College is, is the play. Uh, final selection for you. I won't go against Mac Fabulous because I've seen very little chinks in his armour. The second fab, Bally Griffin Cottage, now one string he really does have in his bow. He's a tremendous jumper also. Mm. Now maybe he doesn't have the experience of Mac Fabulous on the, uh, under rules, but as you made the good point, he's got plenty of miles on the clock pointing, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's coming in with a lot of experience behind him. He's he's obviously not under rules, but that's a huge education for a racehorse. It's un, it's also unusual for a young horse to have had three Irish point-to-point starts. All wins. Mm-hmm. You know, normally when they've won one, that's it. They're, they're shipped out uh, and, and sold and they're in demand. Uh, for some reason, he was able to compete in three and almost went down the Hunter Chaser route. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't put anybody off my fabulous Bally Griffin Cottage is, is probably the play right now. But maybe I'm saying that because I'm trying to be clever like yesterday where I went, you know what I'll do? I'll put up Gilino Bello now and then I'll put up McFabulous the next day. And then I can just be like, oh, yeah, well, obviously I tipped the winner. Uh, so my, my two darts are Gilino Bello and Bally Griffin Cottage. But right now, I'm leaning towards Bally Griffin Cottage. Um, but I, I want to be honest about it. I haven't made a, a full decision as of yet, but right now it's Bally Griffin Cottage. I'll be leaning on McFabulous for you. Uh, the Christmas hurdle. Fives on with Betdak, Constitution Hill, if you're that way inclined. Paddy, would you have five grand on to win one? I've seen worse one to five shots. <laughs> That's fair. That's very fair. Without a doubt. It's a crowning glory, basically. Well, He's going to win this on the bridle, or at least he should, and Nico de Voinville will be in the winner's enclosure, popping bottles of champagne, toasting the crowd, and then the second will cross the line. That's how good he is. Um, Epiton has obviously won this race multiple times, and she's a, a top-class racehorse. She's 6-1 to one with Betak. Uh, I like to move it. It's a 10-shot Naper's Hill, 14s, so royal, uh, who was beaten by Naper's Hill last time out at Wincanton, a 14-1 to one shot, and it's pretty much whatever price you want about the rest. Uh, so Epiton has won this twice, was beaten a shock defeat in this race in 2020, uh, but she goes very well here. And look, it's the race for second. It's betting without the favourite, and we don't have a market for that as of yet, but... I would side, I love Epitant. I said this yesterday. If you're a long-time listener to the show, you know how much of a fan of Epitant I am. I'm going to go with the younger legs of Napper's Hill. Uh, I, I liked him for the international hurdle, slash Beulah. I thought he'd win that. Um, that performance against Sol Royal was very impressive. He's, the very fact that Paul Nichols is keeping him over hurdles, when he looks like he would be a really exciting novice chaser, that tells me Nichols feels he could be involved in a champion hurdle. He's not going to beat Constitution Hill, but he can certainly be involved in, in the finish of one. And in the betting without the favourite market, Naprasil is the one I'm going to side with because I know he won't be outright favourite for that. Um, so I'll, I'll go with the, the younger legs of Napper's Hill. What about yourself, Paddy? What's what's your angle into this race? Yeah, well, I'm really fond of Twiston Davis's horse. I like the move, but he's still only a five-year-old. I know the Great Wood, it was a bit of a strange race. You know, they're well strung out. Nothing really got into it. But, you know, for him, to put that sort of distance back to the second, carrying that sort of weight, he's a, he's a thoroughly likable horse. But I'd probably roll in with you here because Paul Nichols, he does keep bringing this horse up, doesn't he? Napper's Hill. Another one that he just keeps saying, he's got this horse in a good place this year. 
And one thing that Nichols keeps mentioning as well about certain horses in his care this year, Emmett, is he's made a few tweaks. Mm. Um, and Napper's Hill is, is coming under that category as well. Even daughter Megan Nichols keeps mentioning this fella as one not to be underestimated this year at Landon, a big one. So if his price holds up there at 12s, he's a cracking each way best. Just hope that we get the, uh, we get um, a true, a true running from him. There's no reason why not. Ever since Epitant made that howler and got beat in this race, I don't think she's been the same mare since. I really think, I know they've operated on her back, but I think she damaged her back so badly that time that she still reverts to type when she gets in tight at a hurdle and she bunny hops and lands hind feet first. And that's not so, like she was so good, a proper champion hurdler technique. But up until she did that, don't get me wrong, she can still hurdle like that. But when the stride isn't there, she doesn't fiddle anymore. She tends to do this bunny hopping thing and it is a real momentum killer throughout the race and she done it again up at Newcastle last time it, it, it didn't it wasn't the difference between anything where she finished but you know now that she's up against such a good one in Constitution Hill and obviously younger legs there is just absolutely zero room for error and she's been doing that now again and obviously she's going to do it if there's any time that she's going to do it it's when she's flat out when she's under pressure so I'd have to look past Epitant and I'd agree with you with a bit of each way of value here is the Paul Nichols six-year-old on that Hill. Yeah, the betting about the favourite market is going to be fascinating because Epitant is going to be a short price in that and I think how you've summed up and explained the issues with her, you've done it eloquently and you've pinpointed what's wrong. Like that was a shock defeat but it was a physical issue. Something went wrong with her that day and as you said, they've done the operation on her. I think you're right. I think for all that she's come out and dead heated in a fighting fifth and won this race last year, she's not the horse she was. Um, and it's a shame because she was she was deadly and she was so slick over her hurdles, but that does now become a bit of an element with her. Um, and at six to one in the overall market, who knows what price she's going to be without the favourite. I, I, I can skip her. I'd love to see her come back to form and it's not to say that she can't be second, but... At 14s, Napper's Hill, thanks very much. That's where I'll go. It's I like to move it uh, for for Paddy. The Roland Merrick we'll, we'll talk about as well. Uh, Blue. speaking of, uh, our good friend Sean Quinlan is going to be on board for Dan Skelton at Weatherby. Uh, remastered for David Pipe, second in the Hennessy last time out, 11-2 into Overdrive, who was second to L'Ompresse in the rehearsal last time out, at seventh shot for Jamie Hamilton. Uh, and Fontaine Collange for Venetia Williams is currently an eight-to-one shot. We are still waiting Final declarations. Um, I think the skeleton team are going to be pretty bullish about Chamblou, but I imagine that David Pipe will be pretty bullish about Remastered. This is becoming a cracking little race. Certainly is. Um, he went down on his sword, didn't he, last time Remastered. He's just a terribly likable horse. But obviously, he had a hard race that day. Chamblou is going to be the f- much fresher horse coming here this time and real good spare ride for Sean Quinn in the pickup. He's got a lovely competitive weight on his back, hasn't he? 11 stone one. And yeah, when he gets it right, he's a fair operator on his day, Chamblou, but obviously remastered. Pretty consistent horse, and I think that's pretty strong form, isn't it? 
from Newbury the last day. I think the winner looks a very, very handy horse now that Dan Skelton has got his hands on him. The third the third in, he's the horse we spoke about earlier on, who chased home L'Ompresse in the rehearsal into overdriving. He is just a thoroughly likable horse. He's got plenty of previous round this track into overdrive. He's a good jumper and he really is a pleasure to watch. And he is up to one four two now, so more work on his plate here into overdrive. But you just couldn't really rule him out. Ten stone nine. He should have on his back Jamie Hamilton jocked up to take the ride. He, he is a horse, I definitely think, has still got some wiggle room, but he's been a busy boy. So we've got to take that into account as well. Um, but I would probably go with Shan Blue here simply because this looks like it's been a real target, doesn't it? It it just really reeks of a of um a, a proper a proper target trainer job here. And if he gets in off that lovely weight, eleven stone one, and final decks come through, I'd say Sean Quinn will be rubbing his hands here. He's he's he's, he's definitely got a very live one. Yeah, it's a great spare ride for, for Shawnee and he'll be loving life. He'll be loving the fact that he's on board this fella. Like he was he was a terrific winner of the Cotter Star Novices Chase on Boxing Day two years ago. Um, he had that Charlie Hall last year by the short and curlies, only to come a cropper. And he probably wasn't right after that. We didn't see him again until March uh, and then they backed him up for Aintree. Uh, he was much better at, at Aintree than he was at Cheltenham when he couldn't land a blow against Alaho. But this is a terrific opportunity for him. And that's a key point to make as well. Dan Skelton is a tremendous trainer, but he's a brilliant target trainer. And this is his first run of the season. He's pinpointing this one as the one to, to bring him out in. He's not going to lack for fitness. He's a huge player. I can't get away from remastered, personally. Um, I'm convinced he'd have won the Hennessy a year ago. And yes, I'm talking through my pocket. Uh, but I'm convinced he would have won that. And subsequent performances... He had the stuffing knocked out of him in that fall. I think he just wasn't right. And he's come back a revitalized horse. Um, came back at, at Aintree over hurdles and absolutely bolted up in a race that included Jericho Rock, who didn't really show anything. Jericho Rock was then great in the, in the Hennessy to be third. But this fellow was better. And he got really close to winning. He deserves another big day in the sun. I'm sure, I'm very confident it's going to happen. I'm very confident there's another big race in him and this is the one he can win. Um... So hopefully David Pipe rolls the dice with him. As I said, Jericho Rock's been taken out of the Welsh National, which is a bit of a, oh, a bit of a frustrating one for me. But uh, I think Remastered will will shine. And at eleven to two with Betdak, as we currently record, I would be more than happy with that. Now, you and I are trying to feel our way through the dark because we don't have declarations for Leopardstown. But let's just try and second-guess Willie Mullins' bingo, shall we? Uh, Lossy Mouth is 5-4 to four on with Betdak for the Knight Frank Juvenile Hurdle. This is a race that our Connor was going to run in in his season of winning the Triumph Hurdle, but came out. Uh, Apple's Jade has won it back in 2015. Um, Guitar Peace, who would go on to, to great success afterwards as well. Zana here, Phil Dore last year. Uh, so it's a good roll of honour and a proper test. Lossy Mouth was really good at Fairy House, and she's obviously a quite a short price favourite for the Triumph Hurdle now. Uh, five to four on with Betdak. Porik Roach's Cougar is two from two. X Aiden O'Brien and looks a really good addition to his yard, um, and might be better than Brazil, but we'll see. Uh, currently, this is the plan, and he's a four shot. Nuzret, who was going to go to either Doncaster or Cheltenham, only for both meetings to be ruled out. Uh, a five shot for Joseph O'Brien. 
And then Gala Messu uh, leads off a whole host of other William Mullins horses, including Blood Destiny, who I was really impressed with in Cork. Uh, I thought that was a, a very, very nice performance, and that's a grade one winner waiting to happen. But we're in grade two company. Who are you excited to see, and who do you like in terms of this race? This, I'd say, I mean, it's probably one of the races of the, the Christmas period, yeah. I think, um, really is. I, like you, really did like Blood Destiny of Cork. I just loved the way he ran through the line. And it was interesting to listen to Willie after because apparently his work at home had been only ordinary. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do like horses like that that come to life on the track. Love to see these colours as well. And yeah, he shouldn't be underestimated. Round about seven to one, isn't he? He's priced up here, but Nuzret, he's another horse who briefly looked in danger on his hurling debut, but he's another one. Ran through the line very strong. So I just love to see to see that. Obviously Cougar has been very, very interesting. I mean, there was always the, the, the chance that he could be a proper monster doing this job. He's two from two. But this Gallimarsu of Willie Munns is had three runs as a two-year-old in France. Didn't manage to win over seven furlongs. As unbeaten in two hurdle races. Won a mare's listed race the last time we seen her in France by 11 lengths. Um, we've, when we, we've seen him do this so often. Introduce these French recruits. Generally, they only tend to have hit the race course once. This one's actually had a few goes. Three on the flat, two over hurdles. And Another Kenny Alexander mare could be absolutely anything. And obviously priced up, they're not going to take too many chances with this one. Third in, five to one. And lossy Mutt has obviously taken a fair chunk out of the market, round about four to five, but deservedly so because, you know, kept it very simple last time, went round the houses because, you know, the jockey knew he was on the best horse in the race and another one that ran through the line. Very, very strong. This is an absolute cracker. It really is. I'm hoping that Blood Destiny runs his, gives his run in. And if he does, I think, you know, he might surprise a few. Probably maybe not good enough to win. But I think he'd be banged there. But Lossima, I think, is only going to shorten for me. And so I'd, I'd be looking to, to, to try him back the second here and I'd hope it would be the Cork winner Blood Destiny yeah I, I'm very much with you on, on Blood Destiny um, I think the most telling quote from William Mullins after that Cork win was I'm going to map out a grade one campaign for him so he's a horse who wasn't showing anything really in his work at home but clearly he demonstrated a lot of class and I know they were excited by him um, and it must have been a very pleasing sight to see him just strut home easily by five lengths at, at Cork. Uh, he looks every inch a, a grade one contender. The uh, Gala Marasu is by the Triumphal winner's stallion, um, by Fabon's sire in Galloway. Uh, her last performance, the horse who finished third that day, bolted up in a listed race subsequently for Guillaume McCare, has been beaten subsequently, but still that's endorsing that form very, very strongly. And she, wherever she goes over Christmas, she's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, I would hope that Lossiemouth confirms, confirms her superiority. Um, 
my impression of her win at Ferry House was treated as an educational day. Um, and it's not that they weren't trying, because obviously she's run out a very impressive winner in the end, but I would mark her, mark her up. Uh, I think the fact that she was held up and was out wide was suggesting that they thought she was going to need the run. And maybe that's why Paul chose Zarek the Brave, because he was race fit. Uh, and yet this this horse was already 10 to 1 for the Triumphurtle before this race. And yet Paul decides to go and ride something else in it. Uh, so they must have felt that she was going to come on for the race. And she's travelled beautifully for Danny. She's jumped really well. She's quickened into the race when he wanted her to. And she's put them to bed pretty comfortably. Now you can belittle the time and you can question the whether or not Comfort Zone was at his best. And we're not getting excited about the price she is, but I think she's a genuine star. Um, so I, I'm very, very keen on, on Losty Mouth, and I would hope that she comes out and confirms her superiority. But if she's not there, and William Mullins rocks up with Blood Destiny instead, or Garland Masu, and there's plenty of other William Mullins horses there to be uh, interested in as well, then it, it's going to be fascinating to see how this whole thing pans out. Cougar looks very exciting. Um, and I think is the only deep impact jumping hurdles. So he's got that going for him as well. News Red, as you mentioned, was very impressive. Um, I wouldn't give up on Comfort Zone. I think that was just too quick a turnaround at Ferry House, and the ground was awful. And McGinty's interesting, because when McGinty went to France for Emmett Mullins, Emmett's horses weren't running well at the time. I think that might have been the week that, or at least maybe a week after the Greatwood when his horse drifted and, and pulled up there. Like, Emmett's horses weren't firing for a while. Now they are. And perhaps while the trip to France had paid dividends the time before, it can't, he can't possibly have been right when he was beaten 29 lengths, considering the horse he beat that day came out and won the race. So he can't possibly have been right, and his form in his previous start has been franked. Uh, and he's a very, very interesting recruit. He had a mark of 98 on the flat for Jim Bulger. So I wouldn't sleep on him because he's currently 10 to 1 with Betdak uh, for the race. So anything else there at a big price that you're intrigued by? Um, there's, there's always the chance, isn't there, that something's going to improve, you know, from first to second run. I, I, I think I'm very fond of Nuzrus. I think he's a fair horse, you know, but... The, the, they're all priced up quite similar, aren't they? Mm. He's round about fives, but I think he's quite classy. Dar Jacob spoke very highly of this horse when he got down off him, having come over to Ireland to ride him. And yeah, he could definitely be a horse here who, who, who can more than hold his own. But as I said to you a few minutes ago, I, mean, I, I honestly think that this is one of the contests of, of the Christmas period. It's a cracker. I mean, even the entries alone are horses to be excited about. But whoever actually rocks up in this race, it's going to be an absolute cracker. It really is. And and these are very, very exciting prospects. Um, led, of course, by, by Lossy Mouth. But we're both very intrigued to see Blood Destiny. Hopefully he rocks up. Um, the Racing Post. Apologies. Brand new Racing Post app. Novice Chase uh, at Leopardstown. So we've got two very exciting Novice Chases to look forward to, all in the space of 20 minutes in Leopardstown. It's Gordon Elliott versus Willie Mullins to a certain extent, as you've got Phil Dore, even money with Betdak, Hollow Games, three to one. Uh, Saint Roy, who was no match for Phil Dore last time out at fives, Dice or Dynamo is still in 
having not jumped a fence yet, uh, and Mighty Potter goes elsewhere. Uh, as for the Guinness Faheen novice chase, we've got Gordon Elliott versus William Mullins again. Jerry Colombe is currently the 11-8 on favourite, like that horse a lot, uh, and Kill Crut is a 9-4 shot. Um, it's the William Mullins Gordon Elliott show, but who's going to come out on top in the two-mile novice chase at Leopardstown? Who are you siding with, my friend? Yeah, another absolute cracker, to be honest, Emmett. Um, I mean, Jerry Kalam, what did you make of him on debut? I loved him on debut. I, mm-hmm. I'm i a little bit biased about this horse, I think, in that I, I, I think an awful lot of him for the season. Um, I, I liked his jumping. Uh, there's certainly aspects of it that could be better, but... I thought he was very impressive, and I loved his performance from from the second last. There was no danger, and how he strutted away to victory that day, it, it was quite commanding. It was very impressive. So I, I liked him a lot, and I, I rate him as a very very exciting prospect. But I'm not entirely sure if you agree or if you're rephrasing that question to to see if there's a, a criticism there because I'm, I'm not sure which side of the fence you're, you're going to, you're going to fall on here with, with Jerry Columbia. What did you make of him? Well, it's a funny one because I think there was plenty of people were maybe not giving him the credit he deserved when he was winning over hurdles, you know, just for, for one, one thing or another, but I was really struggling to pick holes in that win the last day. And probably one of the more telling things was, you know, Jack Kennedy, he's pretty unflappable, isn't he? And I always like to to really try and, and, and pick things up from interviews. As I said the other day, Paul Townend, he's a difficult one to read. He doesn't give away a lot. He tends to let his riding and let the horses do the talking. But, you know, he wrote a couple of nice ones at the weekend there. And you could see, you know, you could tell when these jockeys have had a real buzz of horses. And I thought... When Jack Kennedy rode Jerry Kalom last time, it appeared to me like it was he he really enjoyed that, um, and I do like to to try and pick up on things like that, and I think he could be he 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 could be a proper one over fences this limit. Yeah, I agree with you. I I think the soft ground seems to be a bit of a factor for him as well, and he's going to get that. He's going to get his his beloved ground as well. So there's an awful lot to like about him. He's unbeaten. He was a very good novice hurdler. We hadn't seen him since January when he dispatched Bron last time out. And Bron's a good horse. He's a very good novice hurdler. Great two winner. Uh, and he took care of him pretty easily. Kill Crook was obviously a high class bumper horse who was placed in a Grade One. You know, he's finished third uh, at Cheltenham in the Supreme Novices Hurdle. Um, was no match for Statement on his last start. I'm fascinated that he's got two options over Christmas. The Neville's Hotel Novice Chase and this one. The the Faheen, uh, the Guinness Faheen Novice Chase and not the two-miler. That Willie, who likes to keep his options open, is clearly of the mindset that this is an intermediate staying horse in, in the making. How much of a danger do you rate him to Jerry Colomb? Yeah, a little bit of enigma, this horse, for me. I've never really gotten attached to him as regards a racehorse. Um, I don't know. Sometimes you just don't warm to horses, Emmett. I find that myself anyway. And this chap 
in particular. And I don't ask for you to give the reasoning because I probably couldn't tell you, but I just never really warmed to him. And that's probably not a good enough reason, but I'd be far, far happier with Jerry Cologne than this fella. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is about this horse. I've just struggled to get on side with him. It's funny you say that because I can't tell you why I dislike the horse either, and yet I do. Uh, I'm not, I should say, I don't hate him. I'm not like rage tweeting about Kilcroy, but I just, I never warmed to him. I, mm-hmm. do, I don't fully know why. It's weird that we both have the same thing with him. So he's going to come along now on Boxing Day and slap us both in the face and go and win by 10 lengths. Um, he's he's clearly a very, very talented racehorse. I mean, he's been placed in grade one company. He's won grade one bumpers. He just didn't really do it over hurdles last season. Uh, you know, it took him, a, it took him a while. Like, he was a shock. 14 to 1 on he was when he was beaten in Cork by Largy Debut, who didn't exactly pull up trees afterwards. Uh, journey with me was too good for him. Finally, he wins at fives on. And he benefited from horses coming down and pulling up in the Supreme. So look, maybe he's just a better chaser. Maybe he wasn't right last year. Um, but I'd be surprised if he's good enough to beat Jerry Colum. Uh As for the two-mile division, well, this is basically the Gordon Elliott show. Because uh, right now, the only one that William Mullins can can run here is St. Roy, unless he pulls a crazy Ivan and decides Dyson Dynamo is going to have his chasing debut in a grade one. In which case, buckle up, Paul Townend, and have fun, son. Uh, Fildor or Hollow Games? Uh, Hollow Games could wait and and run in Navin, I think was the, the plan in early January. But if he was to line up here, which of the two would you side with? Hollow Games for me, Emmett. Um, I just thought he looked better than ever. More so the way he went through the race. On his return, obviously his round of fencing was very good, but you know it, it's it's a stiff ask to jump round Navin on your debut. But you never had any description of a worrying moment, and yeah, he 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 looked as as good as I've seen this fella on his return. Um, and another one, he hit the line hard and. God, when you looked at the price he returned out there, seven to four looked absolutely whopping value. But you know, he's a, he's another horse. Maybe he went slightly under the radar because not that his his season tailed off last year, but you know he was beaten in his last four runs. But you look down to them. I mean, apart from in behind the nice guy at Punchestown, where although he finished fifth, he was well beaten. You know, them runs. Crack and run at the festival. A real good run in behind Manila Cocooner at the Dublin Racing Festival. And then was only beaten four lengths by Jinto in, in the Lawlers. You know, very, very solid runs. But I I just think from what we seen the other day, that this would this was a horse who had improved again off the back of his, his summer break. And I'd say connections are, are very excited about this fella after what they've seen at, at Navin's. So, yeah, probably Hollow Games for me, but, yeah, Dysart Dynamo. I, w- I wonder, I mean, we've seen Gallop and Deschamps that he'd matured and settled down a, a fair bit for his summer break. I wonder where they're at with, with Dysart Dynamo. He's not a horse I've, 
I've heard an awful lot of reports about. Neither have I. And I think there's been plenty of questions being asked about him in terms of like how's his well-being, where is he? Because he was obviously a top-class novice hurdler, um, and and so there is excitement about him. Uh, the very fact that he's still in this race leads you to to think that Mullins must be pretty excited about him as well. Because why would you leave uh, an unraced horse in a Grade One novice when you've taken others out? Why would you leave him in there? Um, he might be thinking about it. I doubt he'll do it, and and I wouldn't be backing him if he did. But what a what a debut that would be um, if he decided to just throw him into a Grade One. Uh, look, Willie's got lots of of other bullets that he can fire. As Siri decides to enter the conversation. Hello, Siri. Uh, Willie's got plenty of other bullets to fire in the two mile division, and maybe this is just a race he's going to have to sit back and and watch Gordon Elliott uh, pick apart. I'm with you. I hope Hollow Games gets the go-ahead for this race. I loved that chasing debut. I love this horse last season, and I backed him for the Martin Pipe. I had two darts at the Martin Pipe, adamantly chosen, wah, wah, wah. Uh, and Hollow Games, who managed to, to scrape the frame, uh, scrape a place. But it was fascinating reading some of Gordon Elliott's comments. He was kicking himself, because he was saying he tried to turn him into a stamina horse last year, tried to make him a stare, and he's just not that. He's a speedball. And... Flamebearer came out and he's been beaten since and that was disappointing that he wasn't in the race but my goodness that was impressive that's one of the most impressive debut performances I've seen from a novice chaser he was foot perfect he quickened up really well and he has to race as a very exciting prospect for them um, I, I get why Fildor is his favourite they're trying to take advantage of the weight allowance with him as well and he is going to go for this race I hope Gordon puts the two in because it needs him. This race needs him. I, I can't envisage a scenario where St. Roy turns the form around unless something was to happen to Phil Dorr and Ian Caesar or something like that. I don't see how St. Roy beats him. Mighty Potter won't go. Three Strap Life won't go. This race is going to fall apart. It's going to mm-hmm. fall apart spectacularly. Uh, this could be a four-runner race. It might be even shorter than that. I, I suppose it's probably worth mentioning that he's still only four-year-old Phil Dorr, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and that six-pound allowance. Like, there's a reason that Gordon wants to target these races with, um, mm-hmm. you know, target races with with horse horse like that. Um, and he is going to line up here, and that was a very taking performance as well uh, at Navin. Like, he's he's done it really well. But I hope he unleashes Hollow Games. I hope he sends the two because we need a Gordon Elliott fight out here. We need that duo to make this race a, a proper contest. And um, I would side all day long with Hollow Games. And I'll give him another mention, Hartwood, who I asked Robbie Power about when we did that Ferry House special a few weeks ago. Uh, and I think he was a bit taken aback that I was asking about him. He's come from the Plutard production line from France and is going the four-year-old route as well. They're trying to take advantage of that weight allowance. They think an awful lot of him. Um, and he put it up to, to Hollow Games the last day. He was beaten four lengths but it was a, a really nice performance. Wherever he turns up over Christmas, he was in this race up until a couple of days ago. Wherever Hartwood goes, he's one to follow, for sure. But um, hollow games for both of us. Uh, in the the new Racing Post app, Novice Chase. Which brings us to the final race uh, for you, Paddy. And it's a really simple one. Said, being Christmas time, let's give Paddy a nice, easy race to solve for the final race of the Part 1 Christmas Preview 2022. 
All we want you to do is tell us who wins the Welsh National. Take it away, Paddy. <laughs> it's, it's an absolute cracker this time around. It really is. Sometimes, Emmett, because this can be such a grueling race and, and can leave a mark on horses, I do. I have found in previous runs of this race, you get a lot of dead wood. Maybe some older horses that you know, if 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 they, they, they did have a hard race, you're maybe not as concerned about it leaving a mark as as you would on a younger horse here. But this has stood up really well. We've got some inform horses and plenty of younger legs. I think it's fair to say some seven year olds in the lineup trying to look down. Yeah, seven is as young as we get, but we've got plenty of them, which is fantastic, really is. Just looking at what the handicapper, he could have been more severe with Quick Wave, considering the sort of fashion that it did win in the last day. I mean, never came off the snaff. It was incredible, really, uh, for a nine-year-old to, to, on his return as well, to put in a performance like that. And I think he deserves his place at the head of the market. The Galloping Bear, the second in, though, is a horse I'm just very, very fond of. I really felt for Ben Clark that that race of Haydock was obviously taken away from him because of a um, a prohibited substance in his in his sample uh, when he beat Bristol de May oh, yeah. back at Haydock because it's a really good story with this little horse because... You know, he'd been playing his trades in English point-to-points for quite a while, and he was prolific. He really was, but it's not really a route that you see the real sort of top-end staying chasers take. It tends to obviously be from, um, you know, from from, from Ireland, um, and they come over here and, and, and sort of progress that way. But this is a really interesting one, and he's another one, Emmett, who's come to running on the rules quite late in life. You know, he's a nine-year-old and he's not actually been doing this job very, very long. Regular rider Ben Jones is on board. He's going to have a roundabout, a nice racing weight of 11 stone one. And that just looked like a proper bit of a tune-up last time at Carlisle with plenty of weight on his back. Well, although there was only six runners... He finished third, and he wasn't beaten all that far at all, to be honest, with all that weight on his back and not been seen since that Haydock race. I'm hoping that will have really just tightened him up enough here. But this horse's stamina is endless. It really is. And as I mentioned, this is a very, very unique race. It really isn't for the faint-hearted because there won't be many involved in the finish here, I would imagine. But it is a cracker. Pat's fancy there. Be a big, obviously, local winner for Rebecca Curtis. But, you know, he's getting hard to predict is is Pat's fancy. And the big dog, he's been very well campaigned. We've seen Pierre Fahey. He's booked Aidan Coleman to take the ride. And Pierre Fahey has come across to the UK uh, with several raiding parties already. And they've had plenty of luck at this track in particular as well. So... You definitely couldn't rule the big dog out. Um, I think he's he's a tremendous up-and-coming young trainer, but it would be a fine effort under 12 stone by the big dog. But no, cracking race, really looking forward to this one. But 
I'm going to stick with the nine-year-old here to hopefully give Ben Clark a bit of compensation for losing that Haydock race, the Galloping Bear. He's a very interesting runner. Um, the big dog, at some turnaround, he was running off a mark of, he was running off a weight of 10 stone 7 when he pulled up in the race last year. Now he's off 12 stone. So, not saying he can't do it. He's thrived in nationals and, and extreme stamina tests so far. He won the JT McNamara Monster National um, with a really game display and then he's he's put up a tremendous performance to nail the the front runner late on in the Troy town and he was an impressive winner that day and there was talk of the Grand National. I was hoping he would come here and, and here he is. Um, and Aidan Coleman's a terrific booking as well, a good friend of the show. So I think he's a fascinating one. I sided with 300 through five yesterday and I'm going to stick with them. Uh, it might be a blessing in disguise that he unseated in the Hennessy because he's coming here fresher than having had a full race. Um, he wasn't good enough at Cheltenham but he is a very good horse on his day. And he's got stamina for days. He's classy. Touchwood, he jumps well. And Harry Cobden's going to be on board. I imagine that Adrian Heskin will ride Ascari at 10 for Gordon, for the same owners. Um, if he doesn't, then obviously Aiden will be on board. But that would appear to be the plan. Uh, I think he'll go close. I think 14 to 1 is is a big old price for him. So I was trying to figure out, when did I last back the winner of the Welsh National? 2016 Native River. So my record in this race isn't exactly the best. So with that in mind, 300 through five. Uh, at 14 is who I'll side with, but a lot of respect for the big dog and a lot of respect for your selection as well, the Galloping Bear. Which brings me to best bets. Your best bet for Christmas, Paddy Aspel. Well, I've not even mentioned it once so far, Emmett. <gasps> good, 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 good. I was going to go to Leopardstown yes. on Boxing Day. Uh, well, seeing as we're going to Leopardstown on St. Stephen's Day. What's that? And well done. Nice, nicely done. Yeah, obviously we're waiting on final decks, but in the 2.45, or sorry, 1.45, Tony Martin's Brookie. I think... This five-year-old, you look back through his form, he has been pitched in, which is rare for one of Tony Martin's early doors in his hurling career. He's been pitched into some tidy races and he's got some lovely form in the book. I just think it's the mark, 110. I definitely think there's, there's a bit of meat on the bone there with this fella. Could be very, very interesting. Look, there, you could probably go down to this race and you would maybe find several others that have got a bit of room to manoeuvre mark-wise. But when you see AJ Martin next to one that you think there's a bit of room to manoeuvre, it's just a case of how much rope have they got to play with mark-wise. But Brookie could be very interesting. He's not, he's not one of the norm Tony Martin rocking up in a handicap with five or six zeros, this fella's actually been been getting competitive most times and he comes here off the back of a win as well. So hopefully if Brookie's declared and the weights don't go up too much, 11 stone he's currently got, he'll definitely get in. I think there could be a bit of wiggle room there off 110. 
when you mentioned nap and you started talking about it's actually a horse we haven't talked about yet, you had my curiosity. But the second you mentioned Tony Martin, you had my attention. Uh, Brookie could be a very, very interesting one indeed. And that horse has been added to the tracker. Uh, 145 at Leopardstown. We are still waiting prices. And indeed, uh, still awaiting declarations. Pull your finger out, lads. Uh, my nap for St. Stephen's Day, Boxing Day, is at Weatherby. And it's remastered. Hope he wins. I think he will. I think it's a tremendous opportunity for him. Uh, Shawnee Quinlan, we love you. Just please don't come along and do remastered on the line. Thanks very much. If you're going to do it, win impressively. Uh, don't don't cost me terrible pain and suffering by beating him. Cue card a la Vitor style in the King George. Oh, no. Uh, remastered the nap for Boxing Day, St. Stephen's Day. It's a terrific card. I've really enjoyed going through it with you, Paddy, and I'm looking forward to having you back on the show again. Uh, in the new year, uh, very early in January, I think we might be on one of the first shows back. So looking forward to, to breaking down all of the Christmas gravy with you in January. Yeah, brilliant. Look forward to it and take the ground to cover between now and then. So I'm pretty sure we won't be struggling for things to talk about. But all the very best to you, Ed. Good to be on your show again. And you, my friend. Uh, we've got an exciting year ahead with TalkSport too, so... Lots of lots to look forward to, but really enjoyed this. And uh, happy Christmas to you and to your family as well, Paddy. And a happy Christmas to you as well. Uh, part two of our Christmas preview special is on the way. Dennis O'Regan and Darren McGrath all of a Sunday here as we break down the 27th onwards for the Christmas racing at Leopardstown, Limerick, Chepstow, Kempton, and beyond. Hopefully you'll join us for that, and hopefully there's plenty of winners here. Have a great Christmas. Talk to you very soon on the Final Forum Podcast. Be safe, be well. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by BetDAC. Get 0% commission on all sports for 100 days when you join BetDAC.com. New customers only, terms and conditions apply. And by All About Sunday, the ownership experience where you can own three racehorses for only £18.99 per month. Visit AllAboutSunday.com to get involved today.